it's one thing to have a point of view. It's another thing to get the whole view. And as business mm. owners and entrepreneurs, we get locked into a point of view of how things are. Well, the market's not this, or the market's not that, or this isn't working, or that isn't working, or what it might be. That's a single point of view from wherever you are standing. Having an interval creating space allows me to get back and actually see the whole view. Welcome to the Push Podcast. Why push? Because a nudge is just too friendly. And friend, we're here to help you get your shit together. I'm Eddie. And I'm Janelle. And we're the Copelands. We've got three daughters, two businesses, a mortgage, and lots of responsibilities. So just like you, we're struggling to find that perfect balance of ambitious go-getter hustle while still staying present, loving our kids, and working on our relationship. (laughs) And doing the laundry, going to the grocery store. Oh, and don't forget being mindful. Yeah, all of the stuff. (laughs) So if you're juggling all the things, but you're also trying to get to the next level, guess what? You're in the right place. So get ready to be pushed. Hey guys, welcome back to the Push Podcast. I'm Janelle Copeland. And I'm Edward the J. Copeland. You can never do a proper introduction, you guys. That is but a proper introduction. We have a special guest today, and I'm just going to come out of the gates and kind of introduce him so that way he can participate in our What in the World. So, <laughs> Jeff Banman is the COO and Chief Human Performance Officer at Brute Force Training. He's the host of a mindset radio podcast, he is the expert in human behavior in high stress environments. And he's the founder of Human Design Group. He's been in the military, I believe. He's been a firefighter, airborne ranger. He's done counterterrorism. He's been a counterterrorism operator. All of these things that are totally out of my comfort zone. But he... But the person you want to have your back. Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> like if some shit pops off, I want Jeff in my crew and I want him to keep everyone calm. Okay. Yeah. So like, welcome, like play- Jeff. Welcome, Jeff. But I just say this, it's like a playground. You know when you're picking teams? I want Jeff, you. Jeff's first pick. <laughs> hey, it was outside of my comfort zone at some point in time too. So you know. That's right. Good perspective. Yep. So Jeff, here's the show. Welcome. We're gonna do a what in the world and you just inspired me for my what in the world. And here's how it goes. I'm sure you're gonna have some insight for this. So Eddie has been responsible for booking a lot of our travel recently. We've been going lots of places, business, work, family, whatever. And so he books us two flights ago. He said, oh, I upgraded us. Well, he didn't tell me that the upgrade was to put us in the emergency exit row. So we had a ton of leg room, but also that came with a tremendous amount of responsibility, right? So We're getting ready to get on the plane. And at this point, as we're boarding, at least four people had looked at our seats and said, these are people that work for the airline, said, are you sure you're willing to do the job, you know, in case some shit happens? Like, are you sure you're willing to basically help everyone get off the plane? So by the fourth time they asked us, I was like, what have you done? Like, what have you done? Because... I know this is just silly, but we're going to be responsible if something happens, right? And he goes, honey, are you kidding? The type of people that we are, if we were not put in charge, you would be upset. Like, (laughs) if you want anybody to be calm and have some orderly fashion happening to get off the plane, wouldn't you want it to be the Copelands? And so my daughter goes, yeah, mom, right? Like, we're the perfect people for this. And so we laughed about it. And so every flight since then... He has now booked us on the emergency exit rows. And so we take this very seriously. No, you don't. I will tell you this, Jeff. 
<laughs> they say, when you sit down, they say, please pull out the, there's a manual, an emergency manual and follow along. This person right here does not. I take the duty within the responsibility seriously, right? So I'm opening the book. I'm following when they're going through. I'm like, okay. And I'm like, pop quiz. Do you not know open that door? Yeah. And he's like, excuse <laughs> right. me, um, flight attendant, what model number is this plane? Because I need to make sure that I'm looking at the correct references. So he's taking it way too serious. And I'm just I don't there. Think it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's an appropriate So that's my what in the world is like all of a sudden on every flight that we've taken the last four flights, my husband has signed us up to have this tremendous responsibility for making sure we keep everyone on the aircraft safe. And yeah, so you just enlisted me and I didn't even know that that was a thing. So, uh, you know, that's funny. I mean, Morgan just flew home this weekend, a couple flights canceled, but she said when she got on the plane, they put her in the exit row and she's walking down and everyone else in the row was probably, she's like, you know, they were 85 plus. Oh gosh. Like legitimately, you know, and now you've <laughs> got to be what, 14 or something or 15 to sit in the exit row. But, you know, she came back and was like, isn't there a, isn't there a cap too? I mean, she's looking like going, none of you are going to be able to open this door. Like, like, Hey, I love you and I appreciate you, but you're not going to do this. Yeah. She'd be in it by herself. Absolutely. (laughs) That's definitely a what in the world. Yeah. No, that was definitely not mine, but, but now you brought that up. Literally it was like on the first thing she said when she got off the plane, she was just like, I I don't even, I don't get it. I don't get it. It was a good, good what in the world for her. Right. That's awesome. And that was something that came up too. I was like, now when we don't have the window seat, I'm observing like, does this person look capable? Right. Do, do they look I'm gonna like- I'm going to ask them. You look like you're going to, which is very appropriate for this episode. You look like you're going to freak out. Right. Right. Should you be sitting here or would Where you like to Where is Jeff trade? to get you in the, in the right place and state right. of mind to handle this responsibility? Because <laughs> I'm prepared. I've right. read the manual. I know what to do. <laughs> I am what is known uh, and have been referred to multiple times as a people starer. Uh, so especially, <laughs> especially on the plane, right? So if I'm sitting on the plane and you pass me by, I'm literally sizing you up. And, you know, if I'm flying in flip-flops, I'm looking around to see who's a size 10, 10 and a half, just in case the plane starts to go down and I actually need a decent pair of shoes. I mean, that's like, it's how my brain works. Like it's totally just, I, love that. I can't even control it, you know, and I'm just, that's hilarious. Okay, you're a threat. You're not a threat. You're okay. You'll help me. You won't. You know what I mean? Like it's uh yeah, I, I can't I can't break that cycle. So if, That's if Janelle, Eddie, and Jeff get on a flight, I want the listeners Everybody's to just good. pretend you're in the audience or you're in, you know, the plane. We're looking at you. Do you look capable or are we saying, mm, she looks like a panicker. Right. He looks like he's going to run and hide behind his wife. Like, I want to know what type of passenger you are. If you're listening to the Push podcast right now, what would we say about you? Do we pick you for our team or will you hold down the team? I, I have to disclose to our team since we just formed this this team <laughs> this that, I, that I am the only, <laughs> my ability to support Depends on me having a life jacket. I'm not the strongest swimmer, <laughs> Jeff. So I want to make sure you know that. All right. We'll be good. Give me a life jacket and, and I'm 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 all in. Oh my God. Moving on. What is your what in the world so we can No, I, that that was enough. That That's was good. Enough. That was okay. good for me. Awesome. So Jeff, listen, we have a ton of listeners that are listening to the push podcast regularly for perspective shift insight. They're looking to increase their mindset, you know, whether it be from a dealing with 
uncertain times or getting through challenges or, you know, just pursuing entrepreneurship for the first time. And so I'd say that they're living these pretty high stress, chaotic lives because they're trying to pursue business ownership. They're trying to also, in some cases, maintain relationships or marriages and then be parents. And so there's a lot going on with our audience. And we have found a common theme amongst most entrepreneurs. I'm sure you could vouch for this. And it just feels like this perpetual state of chaos that you're living in, right? You can relate to this, right? Totally. And so we wanted to bring you on to kind of help us develop some strategies or give us some insight or some tips on how to just process through stress and chaos in a calm fashion. And is that even possible? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, I think here's where I would start just to kind of frame the rest of the conversation. So yes, crazy background, a lot of stuff. I gave a keynote last year and you know, really just kind of sitting there thinking about it, you know, I I now understand that my life was completely unplanned, but beautifully orchestrated. And because I've studied behavior in many environments from entrepreneurship to trading on stock exchange floor, to combat, to intelligence operations, you name it. I've looked at it, professional athletes. The funny thing is it doesn't matter what you're doing, right? Stress is very individualized to all of us. And so, you know, the body's experiencing things no matter what. So I think, you know, if we just one begin to kind of set a frame of reference for ourselves, it says, hey, it's not the stress Olympics here. It's not like their stress is bigger than my stress. It's all relative. You know, I mean, I'm now comfortable running into a burning building or stepping onto what I refer to as a two-way range or, you know, whatever. Yes, it's it's stressful, but it wouldn't be as stressful if, you know, I took you to Afghanistan tomorrow for you, right? Mm-hmm. I'd be all right. Mm-hmm. You'd be probably, no, right. I do this. Not all right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this is show muscle, not actual like do muscle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, sure he's, I'm sure he's a very capable man. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's not, I think that's one thing. So that's, that's one thing that I see people like, the idea of that compounds the stress for them. Mm-hmm. Meaning like, oh, well, you know, I'm only trying to start a business. That's a big deal. You know, oh, I, yeah. I, you know, when we get into the comparison game around how our view is, or our perspective is around things, that in and of itself starts to create a whole level. So if we just mm-hmm. kind of, if everybody listening right now can just lay down any level of comparison to anybody else and just be like, hey, this is me and my life and my place. And if it's stressful for me, okay, it's just stressful for me. You know, that that's yeah. not in relationship to anything else. You know, so, so Jeff, it, what's interesting is is you you listed a ton of things that you've done, which I feel like you've lived several lifetimes when you think about everything that you've done. And 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 obviously you're a young man still. How did you get here? Like, how did you get from Running into uh, buildings that are on fire to, you know, combat, combat, train, training folks to get into combat, like all these. How did you get to this place where now you're helping people with taking on some of those attributes that you gained and in, in applying it to their lives? Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's interesting. I mean, I was slinging pizzas at Domino's at 16 years old, right? I mean, <laughs> slapping 350 pizzas an hour for three hours straight on a Friday night, competing, you know, and all that stuff and potentially on my way to 
own a Domino's franchise in Northern Virginia. Mm. And, and one of the drivers came by one Saturday and he's like, hey, come here, check this out. And I walk outside, he pops his trunk and he's got fireman gear in the back. He's got firefighter gear in the back. I'm like, where'd you get that? He's like, I joined the firehouse. I'm like, what do you mean you joined the firehouse? I joined the firehouse down the street. I'm like, you can do that? He goes, yes, you can. I'm like, ooh. And next day I hopped in my car, drove down, walked in the fire station. I was 16 years old with this stupid haircut, long hair on top, shaved around the sides. Like, I want to be a fireman. And, you know, so at 16 years old, the way it timed out, I got voted into the department. And like within a week, started fire school. And, you know, within basically about four months was going into my first house fire because you could do that back then. Right. I mean, wow. On 50, you know, you have to be 18 to do that now. But back then you could ride, you know, as a third on the, on the engine at 16. Oh, wow. Jeez. So I loved it. I basically lived at the firehouse all through high school, 24 seven. I ended up getting hired right out of high school, about 30 days after I graduated, uh, had a career as a, as a firefighter, but a couple of years in kind of was a little bored, wasn't super stoked about myself. Probably was a little overweight more than I wanted to. You know, the fire service was a really great challenge, but I was just looking for something else and just pure happenstance ran into a recruiter who had just come out of Ranger Battalion. And he's like, oh, come talk to me. And I'm like, all right, that sounds cool. And so just moved on to that phase. And then from Ranger Battalion to Reconnaissance Unit, uh, part of the first guys on the ground in Kosovo in early 99 when the Serbs invaded, opted to get out of the military at that point, just challenged by a few things. And and I knew the path that I would go down required 130% and just tired uh, at that mm-hmm. point in time. And, and so I opted to get out, kind of went back to the fire service in the crisis management world, got involved in, you know, believe it or not, chemical and biological weapon training for fire departments, police departments around the nation. So I became a bioweapons expert for response. Uh, and then 9-11 happened and I was on duty the night of September 10th, having coffee with the guys in the morning of September 11th, uh, and then spent four days because we're just outside uh, Arlington, spent four days down at the Pentagon, kind of immersed in the response down there. And then shortly after that was just doing some programs with some people and, you know, some guys from the CIA were there and they said, Hey, what are you doing? And I said this, they said, you want to come work for us? I was like, well, yeah, totally. And six months later was in Africa running my first operation. So uh, wow. Yeah. That took about a decade. And when I stopped traveling the world, part of our requirement is also to train and develop a lot of our special missions people and just kind of a whole eclectic group. And we were having some problems. And so we took a chance to really begin to look at the difference between kind of the tactical model of training, the check the box, can you do this skill, 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 to how do these people show up in a particular environment and how are they managing and regulating their central nervous system up against some really hairy moments in time. And that's, you know, not even bullets flying. That's just, you know, people that are trying to become a part of certain organizations or connect to things or, you know, a variety of stuff. And that just brought out what I say, the full on geek in me. I had always been, when I look back, always been curious about how to be better, how to train better, how to regulate and then had the full force of the U.S. government behind me and started, you know, mapping minute shifts in heart rate variability to variable stress points and creating scenarios and exercises and training systems that really began to help our people get out of their head 
and down in their central nervous system to regulate in those moments. Because, you know, when you're at war with an enemy who is a nose, you know, I call a nose down enemy, they're feelers, they're intuitive based. They'll smell if something's wrong quickly. They don't have to think about it. They know deeply inside. Mm -hmm. And so how do I get our people super capable there? And then that just kind of spun off in a variety of things. So that's, that's the short, quick roadmap. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And so you took that and now you're helping people with the chaos of life and conflict. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I rolled that out into a business that we did work back in that community for quite a while. And then, you know, where we met Doug and I were working together doing the meditation shoot event, which I think is a radically amazing event. I mean, cause you go from a place of meditation where you are feeling distinctly safe finally, which we don't really know what that feels like for most of us. Your central nervous system is wide open and completely regulated. And then you come over to the gun and, you know, has nothing to do with shooting. The gun's going to bring up whatever you're dealing with at that time. I mean, it's, you know, when you look at a lot of entrepreneurs, it's a lot of anticipation, a lot of expectation, you know, Mm -hmm. a lot of letdown, a lot of just needing to hit the target. You know, I'm going to do it. But then that, you know, puts too much pressure on the trigger and you miss or, you know, perspective shift. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a extremely high performing, uh, one of the top SaaS guys in the world brings his people to us. And, you know, I had him on the gun and doing a drill where he was shooting a small target, you know, three inches away and then step out and a large target, you know, 45 meters away, same visual perspective. So technically, you know, same size bullet, same size target, basically. But I leaned over and said, you know, that's the difference between, you know, a $10,000 deal and a $5 million deal. All the fundamentals still need to apply. What's going to have you miss is your perspective. Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden, I filled that space with unknown, uncertainty, fear. Am I going to do this? Am I not going to do that? Can I hit it? Am I going to be right? All those questions come up versus if it's three inches from you, all that goes away. So it's an interesting look, right? It's an interesting perspective. So for those of you that are like, you know, hey, I'm not into shooting or something. When I met Jeff, he was talking to me about this retreat that he hosts, the shooting retreat. And he was explaining to me, they go from a deep meditation and then get up and walk over to a gun and they're shooting things like, you know, really far away. And I love how you just broke that down right now because the difference between you shooting and hitting your target and you missing it is a lot of the things that you create in your mind that become obstacles that create the chaos, whether it's the self-sabotage, it's the doubt, it's the imposter syndrome, it's all of these things that you're creating which create chaos and help you miss the target, right? And so, yeah, just all the overthinking. And so the meditation is coupled with the shooting, but it's like you said, it's not about pulling the trigger or shooting. It's really about you recognizing, okay, I went from this super calm state to now what's all the confusion that I've created now getting to the target. So I hope you guys are catching that because it's a really cool way. I wonder what would happen if I brought the IRL retreat ladies, you know, and put a rifle in their hand and told them to shoot. They'd probably freak out. But I think the beauty of what you created was finding the stillness to be able to do something really hard and challenging or scary, but do it calm. 
So how do we do that without sending them to the retreat? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you can, you know, there's a lot of things you can do with it. I mean, you can, you can like putt, you know what I mean? You can set up for me because it's basically what you're looking at. Here's the kind of fundamental breakdown of it. So if I go from distinct style of meditation with a good regulated breath, right? That triggers vagal nerve and sends signals of safety to my brain. And I'm anchoring that in the present moment going, yeah, okay, I'm good. I'm safe. And I achieve that place. Any, then any focused, concentrated effort with a high probability of missing, you know, is a great little exercise to do. So, Mm. right. Because I mean, here's what I always say. Shooting is nothing more than pressing through the trigger without disturbing the sights in any conditional match and any condition imaginable. Right. I mean, technically it's literally, if I can press the trigger and not disturb the sights, I'm going to hit what I'm aiming at. What causes me to, to miss is I'm not focused on my sights. I'm distracted by something. I'm putting too much pressure on the trigger. I'm flinching. I'm moving. I'm anticipating the recoil that may come back at me. Right. I just, all these things are flooding in the space. And so where you have to fun come back to is understanding the process, the systematic process that keeps you regulated. And then the perspective of, oh, all I have to do is literally move about a quarter of an inch while I don't disturb the sites. That's it. That's all you got to do. Wow. It's interesting because, and I hope the audience is catching this, like the shooting is an analogy of, of life and everything that you go through. And, and, and what Jeff, I think, is saying, and, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but one of the things I thought was interesting, you said it's a meditation first, and then you step up and you fire. And so as we were stalking you and going through some of your uh, material- Poor uh, choice of words, Edward. <laughs> words well, matter. Yeah. Well, you talk about this, the value of space, right? And so a lot of times we talk to business owners, we talk to individuals, and the one thing that they constantly say, I don't have time to meditate, yeah. right? And so they, you find that they constantly focus on the chaos. But a lot of things you talked about, whether it be heart variability or meditation, it's the space. So talk to us a little bit about that, the power of that space that you have between the chaos. Yeah, I mean, that's where that's kind of what, what came out in the, the keynote for Firehouse, you know, second largest fire conference in the nation last year. And it was titled The Space Between, right? And this was just, this was very present for me all through last year, right? Finding the lull, right? And and I think that's, you know, that's been a part of everything I've ever done. Uh, I used to run this exercise that I called lull in the gunfight. And, you know, the guys would come in and total chaos erupting around and, you know, we're throwing smoke grenades at them and flashbangs and machine gun fire, like just craziness, right? Just the imagine combat at an extreme and they've got to kind of sustain this engagement but because I'm controlling everything happening, there are points where, you know, the enemy's got to reload too, right? The business has got to breathe, then things happen. And really the point of the entire exercise is, do I find those moments, right? We deal with intervals of life all the time and where I find points of recovery, where I catch my breath, where I settle in and check myself, right? All if I don't find those, then I'm just chaos to chaos to chaos. And all what I you know like to say is my cognitive aperture, my ability to kind of stay present, stay connected, gain new perspectives, see what's going on. 
all of that continues to shrink dramatically, right? The, you're, you're just fighting to keep that cognitive aperture open. And so if I don't find those spaces, if I don't either take it when the environment gives it to me or create it when I know I need it, I'm just spinning my wheels, right? And, mm-hmm. and it's just going to be more chaos perpetuated. And so, you know, I'm a big Alan Watts fan. I love, you know, he talks about the space between and the intervals, you know, what brings about sound is actually silence, right? It's, mm. uh, you know, it's a break in the silence in the space that lets you actually hear things. What did he say? He said, a net is nothing but a bunch of holes tied together. Like the purpose of the net is the hole. The holes create the net, not the knots, uh, mm. right? That's the value. Wow. And so when we begin to look at things, I mean, this has been a challenge, right? We basically acquired a pretty distressed company here that was not run well for a long period of time. And there's been ups and downs and a lot of chaos and a lot of frustration. And, you know, Mike and I are diligent about creating spaces so that we can actually find the perspective. You know, I mean, it's, it's one thing to have a point of view. It's another thing to get the whole view. And as business mm. owners and entrepreneurs, we get locked into a point of view of how things are. Well, the market's not this, or the market's not that, or this isn't working, or that isn't working, or what it might be. You know, that's a single point of view from wherever you are standing. Having an interval creating space allows me to get back and actually see the whole view, which yeah. is something you know yeah, that we just don't do very often. I love that. So a couple of things that you touched on, you said that even in the midst of chaos, the enemy has to reload too. And I hope that people understand that because I've been in business long enough to know that, you know, there are, like you said, intervals of life. There are seasons of prosper. There are seasons of harvest. There are seasons of drought, right? And those are just the intervals that life will always throw at us, whether it be business, whether you're not chasing a business, but maybe it's in your marriage or your relationship or with your kids or finances even. So there's intervals in every area of your life all of the time. But knowing that the enemy needs to reload too, to me, hits my heart and it's pretty powerful because that's the space you're talking about, right? Like when the enemy is reloading, that's when you need to be recharging and re-energizing and then going. And I think that that's a really key bit of advice for people to understand. Like there's never a time where you're constantly under target, right? It may feel that way, but there's always a point where the enemy has to reload. That's what you're saying, right? I love that. And you know, also I think what you said too, Jeff, you can add to this is you said that, in these training simulations that you were creating, you controlled it, right? And so, obviously, in in life, there's no grant. We hope that there's no one's pulling <laughs> control. This is not the so Wizard life. of Oz. <laughs> but in life, we can't control everything, right? And so, if I'm in that situation and and things are coming at me, you know, life, business, all these things are coming at me. You also mentioned that you have to create that space. Yeah, not you only said will the, find points of recovery. The, yeah, not only will the enemy have to reload, giving you that space, but you also, if you don't have that, you've got to find a way. How do you do that? How does someone create that space for themselves? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Somebody asked me years ago on a podcast, and I had to pause and think about this for a moment at the time, but he had asked me if there's one thing that separates, say, the top 1% from the top 10%. Right. And industry, cross industry. Like, what is it? If I had to narrow it down to one particular thing, and really in my consideration, and this goes right to it, 
people at the top of their game, anywhere, really, business professionals, athletes, operate military operators, it doesn't matter. This is the one thing you'll find consistently is they have all kind of accepted this idea and they now have a willingness to pause in the moment of sheer chaos where, you know, you're sitting there going, why aren't you? There's a reason why they're not. They're actually taking, you know, in a firefight, that may be three seconds. Three seconds is radically valuable to actually just, sometimes it's all I need. Sometimes I just need a breath, a moment, a point of collection, you know? And so if we moderate that out, you know, and I, Hey, listen, and I, I'm as guilty as anyone else of falling into the traps of not being on a meditation cycle, not being disciplined in my routine, not setting up points of recovery for myself, not doing, I, I own it and I still screw yeah. it up this day. You know, it's like, so it's always a, always a work in challenge. It, yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. But it's the willingness to return to the routine, say, you know what, five minutes right now of, you know, meditation can look like anything. You can be sitting there having a cup of coffee, just regulating your breath, right? It can mm-hmm. be something at ease, not distracted, just something that gets you connected to the present moment. It doesn't have to be, you know, I feel like we've created this atmosphere from certain people in the world that, you know, your morning routine needs to be 10 hours long. Mm. You know, if you're going to be successful as an entrepreneur, this is what it has to look like. It doesn't have to look like anything. It just has to look like what works for you. Yeah. And yeah, I, I mean, I think that. that's the, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's it, whatever the cycle is. I mean, I've got a client who taking his third company public, uh, his last one literally almost killed him. Just stress, mm. anxiety. You know, when you run a public company at that level, every day, it's like, Who's going to write an article that's going to take my stock? How many shareholders mm. are going to call me complaining about how I'm running the business? Like, I mean, it's there's a massive amount of weight on it. And mm-hmm. he came to me through some other sources. Somebody finally was just like, you should really call Jeff. And we worked, you know, about six, eight months together, roughly. I mean, I don't like to keep people hanging around forever. Once they get the skill, they're good. But our whole primary function was resetting context finding a new perspective on things and then working in a very systematic breathing regulation, right? A, a rhythmic breathing process that kept his central nervous system regulated. And, and he took it on. I mean, he, he was disciplined, you know, we had him set up calendar items five times a day, once in the morning for five minutes, three more three minute segments throughout the day. And then five minutes in the evening before he went to bed. And he was very diligent about it. Here's the interesting thing that we lose sight of. So if you watch and you've got children, you know this. So pre seven, they're still all breathing out of their belly, right? Somewhere between five to nine, this starts, right? This, this upward, I've got to breathe into my chest, right? I've got Mm -hmm. to puff out a little bit. That's simply because I'm now on the playground. I now have to posture to demonstrate my capability amongst others. Okay. Mm. Our natural form and our natural breath work is actually just letting our belly hang loose and letting it go and in and out it goes. The reason for that is that breath, that deep diaphragmatic breath, that that rhythmic breathing process, that's what is triggering the vagal nerve and sending signals to the brain of safety to the brain going, okay, I'm good. All right, I'm relaxed. Mm -hmm. And that's what keeps the central nervous system in check. As we age, 
now we've got to step out. Now we've got to posture a little bit. Now we've got to, you know, look good and present well. And I'm bigger than you. And we have to become something. And so, but naturally the body wants to return to that breath. We just have to train it to get there. And so after I love that. Yeah. After about 90 days, I mean, he was, listen, he's got some serious people on the board. And one is a former commander of Naval Special Warfare, you know, and he's like, Hey, sir, I want to link up with you after the board meeting today and everybody else left and he was on the zoom meeting and keep in mind he told me he's like listen in forever i have a board meeting i'm drenched afterwards he had to go change his shirt sweating you know he's just just in this space and uh the commander from naval special warfare gets on and says admiral says i've been around a lot of meetings i've never seen one run that well and he just he systematically worked his breath even while he was presenting and while he was taking the audience through there. I mean, it's amazing. So much of mindset work out there is all head up stuff. It's right. How do I control the system? If we just give that up for a minute and literally know that our breath is the gateway to regulating our central nervous system and all of our energy, stress, anxiety, chaos, comfort, whatever it is, all of it's coming from the central nervous system. You know, this is just a noise machine mm. up here causing chaos on its own. So if I can just kind of get out of that and return to breath, that's the whole value. I mean, that's, it all boils down to that, to me at the end of the day. That's crazy. And I love that because the, how that makes me think about it is when you have someone as you're working with and you're helping with, and they understand like intellectually what they should be thinking or focused on, but their body tells them something different. And what you're saying is, I agree with this, this is really great, is that if we can get the body to be aligned to what the brain is trying to do, then you don't have to worry about this kind of duality of like, I know I'm not supposed to, I'm supposed to be focused on this, but my body is telling me I'm nervous as hell, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm stressed as hell because my body is kind of betraying what I'm trying to do. And that's huge. Yeah. And I guess what I'm getting that I hope our listeners are getting is that like meditation is something we talk about often, just finding your breath, right? But for newbie people that are not familiar with meditation, it can sound very woo-woo and like sit in a quiet space and cross your legs and, you know, like be very zen. And I think you just really broke down the importance of it. Like Meditation is sitting in front of your coffee and doing some deep breathing and trying to kind of silence your mind and give yourself that space to basically mentally recover. And it starts in your central nervous system. But the way to get to that, to keep it really simple, is through your breathing. And so if you don't learn how to properly breathe, basically you can breathe your way out of problems is what you're telling people, (laughs) right? Because- Focusing on on the breathing is tapping into your central nervous system, which is controlling all of your stress. And so if you can learn how to breathe like a baby, baby to seven, then you're good to go. That's what you're saying, right? Yeah. I mean, you'd be, it's so funny, you know, because I'll teach classes for like three or four days at the end of it go, okay, cool. What I gave you was the ability to breathe well. That's, <laughs> you know, uh, now, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that trigger into that, the context yeah. and the frame of reference and all those things. But, you know, there's two points to this. One, I think Buddha said it exactly right. We are like nose down an Indian elephant trying to be controlled by a bunch of monkeys on top. And that's yeah. why everybody's in the gym in January and out by March, right? Because yeah. 
The elephant, our central nervous system, wants what's familiar. Yeah. What's familiar doesn't have a good or bad to it. I mean, I'm a big believer that we're all kind of trauma-driven people. And just like stress, it's not the trauma Olympics. I mean, you may have lost your teddy bear at three years old, and that have been a significant thing that shaped your whole life, right? So one, we're often not aware of those types of things. You know, for instance, my client, he was pretty convinced at four that his parents were driving around at night looking for a place to drop him off. Mm. He knew they would argue. He was kind of an accident. He put, you know, at four, he puts things together. Now they may be just trying to get him to sleep. They, you know, who knows what was actually happening at that point in time, but his central nervous system was screaming, going, they're looking for a place to get rid of me. Mm. And so he now lives a life where he has always, his anchor of safety is way off. And the anchor of safety is not in the brain. It's in the central nervous system. And so until we re-anchor that, those points of safety for him, right, you're always going to have this disruption. And it does. I mean, breathing is the only physiological response you have control over. It is. And so when I do this, and it's, you know, and I will say like, even quiet in your mind, yeah, it's just, you know, there's a million breath things out there. Like everybody has their shtick on breath work. My shtick is find something that works and do it. You know, whether it's just even, you know, four seconds in through the nose, open and relax the jaw and just allow breath to leave the body over about four seconds or so. And then control the breath in and, and just give up control and just allow breath to leave, but don't force it out. Just let it leave the body. Do that for two minutes. That's a massive point of regulation for you. Yeah, that's great. Set a timer on your phone. And it is that simple. I really don't like the market in this world because they've created so much. Like you said, you know, you got to sit on the floor cross-legged and, you know, do all these things. Sure. If you want to advance to a cushion, have proper body position, that will enhance it. But at the end of the day, most of my mornings, I get my coffee. I sit down. I sit in a chair. I just kind of get my shoulders rolled back and relax. So I'm not breathing up into my chest. I get my belly in a position where I know I can breathe and I just kind of relax. And some mornings I want to close my eyes and some mornings I want to open my eyes and look around and, and I just let my brain go wherever it wants to go and decide whether or not I want to be there. Awesome. Okay. So kind of bringing this full circle, you talked in the beginning about not comparing someone else's stress to your stress, like you obviously fighting fires or, you know, being in combat with guns and grenades and smoke and stuff like that is different than starting a business, but everybody's stress is different. And you said something that I really loved. You said, what's your anchor of safety? Like everyone has it. It's like a barometer, right? So your anchor of safety is obviously a lot greater than most people who have not been in combat or had to walk into a fire. But I think it's fair to say you also have an anchor of comfort. You have an anchor of familiarity. Like everyone's got these anchors and they're at different levels. And so you can't compare your situation and your stress to someone else's. But I think the key is we should all be trying to increase whatever that barometer is, that barometer of safety, that barometer of comfortability, the barometer of understanding, right? There's so many different anchors and barometers and scales that we operate individually on, 
But I think if we're listening to the Push podcast or we're trying to do this work of personal development, that is to challenge us to kind of increase those barometers, right? To let go or release the anchors or be able to tow greater weight or you get what I'm trying to say. Like everyone's is different, but we're trying to increase it. And I think the, the best way to do it would be It sounds like you're saying simple things like rest, you know, tap into your central nervous system, breathe. But it really sounds like you're just telling them to find the recovery points, create space for them, and then just know that you can't have constant chaos in your life. There's always going to be a chance for you to kind of find some rest and recovery, but you got to go after that. Yeah, you got to have something. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that I love about this, Jeff, is like you said, Find something that works and, and work that process. Mm-hmm. We were just on a call today where we were talking about you got to have a strategy for all the things that you encounter, good or bad. And if you you know you have a successful strategy and, and based on the outcomes and how you feel and all those different things, and you know you have a bad one when you make yourself feel a certain way. Right. So I think that's fantastic. But finding points of recovery because you made it sound like, oh, it could be just, you know, sitting down with your coffee and breathing. Finding points of recovery does not mean sitting on the couch, scrolling through social media, giving yourself a break from, you know, (laughs) all the shit you should be doing in your business. Like, you know, you should be focused on QuickBooks or marketing and you're just, you know, hey, Jeff said, find a point of recovery. So I'm going to sit down and be on TikTok for an hour. That's not a point of recovery. And so I think we have to be real with When do you give yourself the chance to rest, recover, rejuvenate, and just kind of clear your mind? And I know that if you have small children, I know that if you've got employees calling in sick, I know that if you're struggling with Facebook ads or whatever it may be, it feels like there's never an opportunity. Like I can't even go to the gym, let alone meditate, right? But I think something that I've adapted in the last couple of years is like reminding myself that I have to slow down in order to speed up. And so you got to take the pause in order to be able to restart again. Matthew McConaughey has a book that I read last year. It's called Green Lights. And the whole thing is like the green lights are the opportunities. That's when life feels good. That's when you seem to be in a flow. But then he talks about there's a yellow light, which is not a full stop, but it's a slow stop, right? And then The red light is when you're actually supposed to kind of compose yourself, gather yourself. So using the the red light for something, because when it's green, green means go. So you got to rest and recover. Love that. Well, Uh, so so Jeff, really quick, I I wanted to get your insight on this because this is you said something on one of your videos that I thought was amazing. You were talking about a mentor you had at one of the stations that you were at and and the and I would love for you to kind of just to illuminate the audience because I think it's a simple perspective to have that if you just keep it, sometimes you just got to keep things really simple to really get through. You want you mind sharing that? Yeah, not at all. I mean, that's, uh, you know, I've been blessed with the people that I've learned from and gotten to be around. And so Hal Dutton was one of my mentors in the fire service. He went to work for DC Fire Department the year I was born. So you got to think. You know, Jeff shows up mm-hmm. 16 years later, that guy's been to thousands of working fires, you know, old school style. And, you know, the nuggets that would come from this guy were just insane. But we were sitting on the front bumper of the fire truck one day, sitting in the bay. And I was probably 17 or 18 at the point, right? I've been around for a while. And he's just a you know, short little dude, just <laughs> coolest guy you would ever meet in your life. And he said to me, he goes, Jeff, you know, there's 
there's really three rules I live by and, and they guide me in, in a lot of things. And I said, okay. Uh, and when he's about to give it, you just listen, right? You just mm-hmm. you have such respect for this person. And he said, rule one, if it's not on fire, it's not a big deal. Hmm. Simple, but effective. Because, you know, if you put it in the context of a fire station, right, the tones don't change, right? It's blah, blah, you know, it still goes <laughs> and alarms going and guys will get spun up around, you know, a fire alarm and let's get the fire truck and you get racing. You start to overrun your headlights. It's not on fire. It's not a big deal. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Let's slow it down a little bit, right? There's not an urgency to it, which is kind of key to your point you were talking about a minute ago, Janelle. Rule two, if it is on fire and you do your job, it'll go out. Hmm. That's big. Love it. That's crazy big. And I would literally, we go to a fire and when we were done, I'd bring my crew out and I'd stand them out front yard and I'd say, okay, where was the fire when we got here? Like when we pulled up, where was the fire? And I was right about here. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then we go inside and we look at the char marks and where everything was. And I'd be like, okay, where did the fire stop? They were like, oh, it, it didn't go. You know, most times if we did our job, it didn't go any further from the moment we got Mm -hmm. on scene, it doesn't have time to progress. So if we're just disciplined in doing our job, it's going to go out. And then rule three, which I really love (laughs) story of my life. If it is on fire and you did your job and it doesn't go out, it wasn't going to go out anyway. Hmm. That's mind blowing because that's like your marriage, a relationship, you know, your kids, you're trying to control all of these things, business deals. It's a high level of acceptance. And I hope that everyone really got that because you said if it's on fire and you did your job and it didn't go out, it wasn't going to go out anyways. Yep. That's fantastic. Yeah, I heard that and, and it hit me. Go ahead. Yo, that's, I'm with you. I mean, I share that nugget whenever I can. That to me is really what causes us to not go to the gym or not meditate or not be disciplined in certain areas is the sense of urgency we have created in our life or in our business that, you know, I've got to get to the office on time and I got to get this fired up and I got to do this and I got to do that. That urgency is only going to create more urgency. You know, anxiety Mm -hmm. is, and especially if you're a leader, you're running the business. Anxiety is the most contagious emotion out there, period. And if you are in a state of anxiousness, which can look all kinds of different ways, that is going to spread to your people, to your customers, to your clients. It will. People will pick up on that. The most valuable thing you can do, you know, I sit in the car for two minutes, two to three minutes before I even come in the office, before I go into the house, lunchtime comes, I shut it down. I take three minutes. Right. I mean, the reality of life is if nobody's shooting at me, I have three minutes. I mean, that's just, you can make that comparison in some ways. And if you don't have three minutes right now, then the discipline that says I will have three minutes in three minutes. Right. And taking that time. So that's, yeah. I love that. If it's not on fire, it's not a big deal. If someone's not shooting at you, it's not a big deal. Right. And even if somebody's shooting at you, you know, I mean, honestly, like there's no fear in that moment. Just there's rounds flying and you have a job to do. And if you do your job and you're disciplined around it Mm -hmm. and you take your moments of recovery in that process and do what you know to do, you'll figure it out. 
And if you don't, it wasn't supposed to be figured out anyway. I mean, that's just the way it kind of goes. That's the, that's life. So do your job in the fire, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) I love that. Jeff, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and uh, your time with us. And I hope people got something great out of this. Where can they find you other than your website, brutetrainingforce.com? Brutetraining.com. Yeah. You know, you can find us on Mindset. Yeah. Mindset Radio will be back up shortly. We're going to be diving in, looking at the kind of the art and science of producing results, Mm. you know, and and what that whole kind of internal process looks like. But Mindset Radio will be back up. You can, you know, best thing, honestly, these days, because I pulled a lot of my stuff down, you can find me on Mindset06 Actual on Instagram, or you can go to Mindset Radio on Instagram, either one of those. That's the best place, really. Love it. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. And we will definitely be sending our listeners over to give you a follow and make sure that maybe we get you out to do a retreat for us. I want to shoot some guns and do some meditation. We should, we'll have, we can have a good time with that. That's, uh, even if people are nervous about it, it's okay, right? It's, I've, (laughs) we're okay with that. And even if people choose not to participate all the way through it, it's all right too. I mean, that's, that's part of the learning process. Love it. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Jeff. And uh, we will see you guys in the next episode. Thanks so much. All right. And push through. Thank you for listening to the Push Podcast. Hey, we want to hear from you. So if you have a question or there's a particular topic that you want us to tackle and you want us to help you push through, you got to do something for us. You got to go to Apple Podcasts and you got to leave a rating and a review. And in that review, go ahead and leave that question with your Instagram handle so that we can shout you out when we actually answer the question. And we'll talk about that on the podcast and make sure that, hey, this particular podcast is made for you. So leave a rating, leave a review. You leave your handle and until next time push through